recording. It's five, four, uh, oh, three, two, one. Hey, Alex Simmons, hello, and welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tell the Damn Story. Chris Ryan, Alex Simmons here with special guests today. There's some old friends of ours. We've had them on before, and we're glad to have them back again. Jim Beard and John Bruning, who are Flinch Books. How are you, gentlemen? Good. We're here. We're breathing. It's actually pronounced flanch or flanch. <laughs> It's, it's, the Fran- it's, flanch flanch. Books, flanch, it's the flanch French spelling, books. yes. Flanch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't be that easy, right? No. It's, uh, yeah, it looks easy, but it's not. Uh, it John is. and Jim are Ohio fellas, and Flinch Books, why don't we let you talk to us about how you would describe this project of yours, this company, Flinch Books, which I am proud to be participating in uh-huh. with your, your latest Six Gun Legends Shameless from Club. Flinch Books available right. Amazon other platforms as well or what are we saying here? Get uh, it. I, I think, think so. BarnesandNoble.com. I think. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. I'll All let right, Jim so, start the. Yeah. Yeah, Jim. How would you describe Flinch Books? We like to say like things like in your face fiction and stuff like that. If you boil it right down, we make pulp. All of our stuff is action, adventure, thriller, all the things that that pulp encompasses: horror, science fiction, western. Now, westerns. Now I like to, westerns. I like yeah. to describe it in the spirit of the pulp fiction of the nineteen twenties, thirties, forties. Not necessarily slavishly adhering to every parameter and every trope and and every convention, but more in the spirit of that kind of. <laughs> Modern, modern pulp without all the racism and sexism. That's right. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Yeah. Um, the the Flinch books that I've read, they do have a pulp energy, but they also have a, a modern cadence to them. Mm-hmm. So that to me seems to be like what the mix is. As much as I love some of the pulp titles of old, some of them aged better than others. Yeah, I think so. that's a three-week conversation right there. But yeah, a good example of what we do is our sword and sorcery anthology. The it was the anthology right before our brand new one, the the Western one. That it is traditional sword and sorcery, but with some modern twists to it. And let's get the title you know, of that. That is called Blood on the Blade. Blood on the blade. Yeah. A lot of sword and sorcery fun. You jump in there, and each story kind of gives you a different, a little bit of a different feel. You know? I think it's. I mean, I, in the west, the western anthology is, is that too. We we always have one eye on where we came from. Every all those guys that rode in the, the teens, twenties, thirties, all the way up yeah. to the fifties. But always making sure that we're allowing for some of the modern sensibilities to come in to somewhat correct the mistakes of, pardon me, they're not mistakes. They were unfortunate truths of that time. A sign of the yeah. times. Yeah, exactly. It's, it was wrong of me to use the word mistake, but we know better now. And But the fun thing is that we can still write pulp. We yeah. can still publish pulp. There's no but, reason not to. <laughs> It's, it's sake, shotgun, Tommy gun, action adventure. For the sake of folks listening who may go, 
Oh, are we talking about trees or orange juice? <laughs> yes, we have, no, we're talking about trees. Not, we're talking about a Quentin Tarantino movie, actually. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Can you find that a little bit for us in a couple of sentences? That movie really ruined things. I know. It, well, not to this that day. Movie, it, boy, uh, it's a reference to an uh, inexpensive form of mainstream entertainment for the masses printed on very cheap paper that was called pulp paper, which is where the name comes from. But, but, not, but it's more than just a description of paper. It has become like a description of a certain sensibility, or a certain style of storytelling. Genre style. And that started yeah. back in the 20s or the 30s? Uh, you could say as far back as the early 1900s, maybe even like 1895, 98, yeah. something like well, that. Those like, like, no, Penny Dreadful kind of thing. Penny Dreadfuls in the dime yeah. novels were yeah. definitely right. the, the grandfather. But I think it, it really stuff. took off with Argosy and it took off with Edgar Rice Burroughs in the teens. And at that point, at that point, it pretty much, it just, it escalated. What you had happening was you had a, an increase in the literacy rate nationwide to, mm -hmm. to levels that were unprecedented. So suddenly a lot more people could read and they were looking for affordable entertainment. There, there was no television. The only other entertainment they had at the time was basically radio and newspapers. So yeah. they had a lot more time to devote to actual reading. The, the depression cemented yeah. the, the industry was a time when things were bad you maybe you had the, a dime or a nickel and you could go down to the newsstand buy a very colorful magazine with a colorful cover and you got how many different stories in one magazine for that nickel or dime and you could and, carry in your back pocket so you could take it with you yeah, everywhere for, right. And, right. For, and for whatever amount of time until the until the next month the next issue you had all this entertainment in this one thing, but it was flights of fancy. It was a way to get people out of their themselves in a really bad time. And in fact, and then World War II comes along and World War II kind of killed the whole thing. People just after World War II was over, people just didn't really want things, especially the, well, the big heroes. You know, I think comics killed pulps. Too. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence to, to say that they just mutate pulps mutated into the mass market paperback mm. right right yeah uh, yeah i like i said i just wanted to give a little bit of background for yeah. some you got a lot of you got a lot of background a lot of background, lot of background. I'm, all down with so, that. I'm down with the background go ahead so if that was the the service that pulps were providing back then what would you say flinch books and pulp books like that or pulp book companies like that what are they providing what service are they providing is it nostalgia for fans of the old pulp stuff or is it a new audience is it a combination yes i'd say it's both i think i think there are there certainly is a segment of the audience that that is still very much dialed into that old style of storytelling but i think there's there's at least a couple new generations since then who are looking for they're looking for the same kind of thing, but let's be honest, the 21st century reading audience is a little bit more sophisticated than, than what people brought to literature 100 years ago. They're, they're looking for a, a level of sophistication in their entertainment that they didn't have access to in the 1920s. And there, there, there was no television. There, there was no, right. it just, there's a lot more competition for every, every neuron that you've got firing in your brain. There's many different ways to entertain yourself. It began like that, guys like Will Murray came along and they were able to write new Doc Savage novels. But right. you, with Will, you would almost never know 
that his new novels were not written in the 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was very, it's almost and, slavish. And then, and then it style. continued to grow. When I can ha have a guy who's maybe, wow, 20 years younger than me walk up to the flinch table and go, oh, wow, look at him, buy our stuff, I know that there's not necessarily that personal nostalgia thing going on, but it's almost... You know what it is? It's almost like these younger guys have old souls. <laughs> and it reminds me of me yeah. at, when I was starting to absorb the stuff that was that my dad was telling me about. Right. I wasn't there, but I'm, I got it through osmosis. There's something about it that I said, wow, that's really cool. Wow, the, the days of World War II were very interesting. My dad has still has memories of being a kid during World War II. Right. So now it's kind of, yeah, it's a combination, definitely. There's still some of the old guard. They'll they might read some of the modern pulp, but it needs to probably be much more like what they remembered. And then there's the people who've come along later and said, I really like that idea and that sensibility, but what if you took this thing and slammed it together right. and then you get pulp adventures with themes that would never have existed back then sure. in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And personally, that's what I love the most is because mm -hmm. we're creating something new with it. I think when you talk about your dad, Jim, and certainly my dad, he grew up during World War II as well. I think there's, the, yes, there's the old guard, but then there's us, the children of the old guard, right. who absorbed that sensibility from our parents and have nurtured it into adulthood. And here we are. I know, Jim, your dad's still around. Mine is not. But I'm still reading the stuff that my dad was reading. I'm still watching the stuff that my dad was watching. And right. I think there's a lot of people at our age group, 50-something, who are doing that. I'm interested in finding out from you, it's, you might be a guesstimation, but what percentage of Flinch Books audience is, say, dad's age, our age, younger? That's a good question. I, I'm not older than John and myself, probably a fairly small percentage. Okay. Yeah, that, I, I that think we're aware of unless they're buying online. Of course, seeing yeah. being at shows yeah. and things, I'll get a little bit of, of older guys, but generally, I'm going to say they're our age or younger, all the way down into their twenties. Right, but the bulk of them are probably thirties to fifties. Okay. Yeah, I think the older readership, at least in, in a lot of respects, the older readership, they're still committed to reading the original stuff. Um, yeah. They're, they're more focused on that. Sure. And they're they're not as interested. Big pardon? Their memories, their recollections. It's like some of us watching the old TV shows. We have memories of watching those things. They have an emotional connection to it. Right. That, yeah, exactly. There was quite a learning curve when the pulp convention started to have guys like us with, yes. with our wares there. There was a lot of pushback, but that's mm -hmm. been quite a few years now yep. that, that this has been going on. I, geez, I, I've been writing for 20 years now mm -hmm. and I probably, I think I sold my first pulp thing wow, almost 15 years ago. Man, it's actually probably longer than that. I'm trying to remember when Sergeant Janice was, but mm -hmm. But it's starting to change now. The unfortunately, a lot of the old guard are gone. Yeah, 
but some of them have come around to it and see that a lot of what we're doing is not heretical. <laughs> they can still see the sensibilities. But the thing is that we're not just selling at pulp shows either. I sell at Bigfoot shows. I don't get into a big conversation about pulp, although I'm never, I don't shy away from it. Right. It's just a huger conversation when somebody who just walks up to the table. I'm trying to have that idea out there. Pardon me. Flinch has, is trying to have that idea out there. Covers that that grab your attention and then the insides that keep your attention. There you go. And that's what all about. It shouldn't really matter what we call it, Pulp. I, I say adventure fiction. Right. Yeah. Just, right. Sometimes it's a little quicker to get it over to people when I'm not at a pulp show. <clears throat> Let's talk about growing your company, right? Where do you go? What do you do? What What's the decision making? Who's baby? That girl. Back <laughs> Sorry. That's yeah, uh, be out later this month. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's a good question. And if if I'm going to be really honest, good. I, you I, answer I, it. <laughs> no. If I'm going to be really honest, I would say we don't have a hard and fast like five to ten year plan. I will tell you, we I have a I, five month plan. I know, pretty much, or like a, it's a, a one year plan. But I will tell you, I'm, my background is in for the last twenty, slightly more than twenty years, I've been in marketing, and and it just okay. if you're going to grow a company, you know, it growth costs money. Right. And, and promoting promoting a company costs money, and it's something that we don't have a lot of as far as a long term plan. Where do we want to be five years from now, ten years from now? Good question. I want to still be doing this, doing the same um, thing, but, yeah, but and, maybe, and, but and maybe, and expecting fun, right? different results. I would like to see us do have a better, stronger online presence than we have. Right. We've been talking for a couple of years about finally getting a, a website off the ground. What? But again, that you know, that costs say, money. <laughs> What's that? What you say, Sonny? No. Website. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's it. Just, but it's those kinds of things. They they require some capital, and it's just. Can I jump in here on this? Please. You know, again, being otherwise, I'll just keep rambling. Older yeah. dudes here. Actually, I think in some ways you might be stepping on your own toes here because a website literally could exist in the next thirty minutes with almost no effort on your part. There's so many different software and software platforms that are available that's a plug and play that boom for free you could have a website up in the next 30 minutes so i think one of the things you're thinking about and this really ties into a lot of the people that listen to our show is except you're not up and coming writers you're already established but it's a thing of what's my plan what's the genre the material i'm i'm turning out or i'm writing i'm trying to get exposure for um, where is it available or uh, who should I be talking to or how do I get it to an audience base? And looking at what's available either with or without money and making that plan is, is really the steps that you guys have been involved in, but maybe not in terms of establishing yourself more on the web. You've been boots on the ground more That's so. True. That's and I think now true. it's really because it's because there's two ways to go. And I know one of you has people who are the right age for this. You can get a college intern to, to take care of the one or two little things that would set you up with a website inside of an hour or two. And then let yeah. them. If there's yes. There's something yes. You can have a website up quick and cheaply, but it's going to look like to me, I, I feel like it's going to look like a website that went up quickly and cheaply. No, no, but that's not where well, I'm not going to debate you on that because you may have a vision in your head of what you want it to look like, and maybe it'll take longer to establish it that way. But trust me, there are methodologies 
available to you to get started. And mm. that's the only thing I was going to say about it, because I think that what Chris was has told me about a lot of your work in this, I, he's been showing me this book. I haven't got my copy yet. I'm still waiting for it. I'm, I'm eager to read a lot of this material. I think some of it is making sure that people know it's out there on right. a larger scale. Exactly. That's that's that was my original point is just establishing a, a better and stronger online presence so that people a, a place where people can go and say, who exactly are these guys? What exactly are they doing? And how can I get their stuff? One thing I don't really see changing is that we've always been quality over quantity. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's literally one to two books a year. That's a very comfortable amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us. And I don't really see that changing because that means that we can really focus on making it the very best that we can possibly do. We are exceedingly proud of our covers yeah. and we are exceedingly proud of the lineup of writers in our anthologies and that's something that, yeah, we can make that even better. And honestly, I think we are starting to now attract yes, some bigger names. And then we have like the bright newcomers like Chris. Thank you. <laughs> the young whippersnapper, Chris. Yeah, you know, these I'm older like, than pride, both of you. <laughs> what is he, is he like 19? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Yes, he was once. Yes. <laughs> but, and you know what? And yeah, and if anybody's thinking those words out there, and some of them may be saying them too, is it a vanity project? Yeah, definitely that too. And it's going to continue to be that. It's It was meant to be the home for the novels of of characters that John and I wanted to do. Literally the day that I said to John, hey, will you come into this this thing and do this thing with me? I said, what can be the home for your own work? That was the it, thing that did it. It was. Like, it, oh. it was. The rest of it was attractive, but certainly one because I had the first Midnight Guardian book like half done in the drawer, and but I was never really sure what I was going to do with it when I finished it. When he said that, it was like, okay, all right, game changer. Now there's a, there's a, there's something to aim for here. There's a base and, for it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 But, but to Jim's, I, to I Jim's point a minute, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish. finish to, to Jim's point a minute ago, what we've noticed is there, it, 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 I don't want to say suddenly, but we're starting to see writers coming to us. One in particular, I'm not going to mention his name, who has been asking us, hey, what's the next anthology you're working on? Can I get in on that? And this is somebody... If you had told us 15 years ago, this guy wants to be in like as many of your books as you put out, we would have said, you're kidding me. This guy, what? Yeah. this is not somebody who we, we're not running in his league. And yet he often comes back to us and says, hey, what's the next anthology you're working on? Can I get in on that? And so that speaks to the quality of the work that you've been doing. I'd like to think so. Yeah, sure. No, not, it's not, not a matter of thinking. That, that, I think it's, it, it's not up for debate here. <laughs> <laughs> it's the packaging it's the packaging also. Sometimes you can have incredible quality material, but you just, you have very unprofessional formatting mm-hmm. or the, right. the, just the rudimentary covers where you, where, and, and, and forgive me people who have done this because I know you've completed projects. That's all that matters. You've completed projects. But when you have you stock photos and Helvetica, for your logo then you're going to set yourself at a level and you're going to stay there for a while the key for us has been surrounding ourselves with people who can do the things that we can't and they have incredible talent we have a a, an amazing formatter 
uh, Maggie Ryle, and she just makes everything look so good. And we've also now have some go-to artists, yeah. you know, uh, and, and, but we're always, you know, looking for someone different. Ted Hammond is a perfect example for Six Gun Legends. We had not worked with Ted before, but we knew his work and we went to him and I knew it was going to be great. And I never expected it to be just about damn perfect. He took some character descriptions that I gave him. Those are actually my characters in my story and just brought them to life. They're literally living, breathing people on that cover. So again, yeah, it reminds me of the pulp magazines. It's the covers that bring you in. It's the theme, you know, uh, oh my God, I love Westerns. Wow, what a beautiful cover. And then you go, oh my God, they have Terrence McCauley in this book. Mm -hmm. They have Trevor Holliday. They have Will Murray and, and Jeff Marriott. Yeah. 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 And then what also completes our mission is, and Chris, I'm including myself in this, you and me together, buddy, in this Thank one. Thank you, brother. We are first time Western writers wow. in this volume. John almost, <laughs> though. <laughs> That's he, a funny story. Yeah. Yeah. He actually had a Western story published what a month a early? month earlier oh, there, there's so... another publisher here in ohio named named charles millhouse and he totally coincidentally was working on a western anthology at the same time and he came to me and he said would you be in this thing and i said yeah and i was feeling a little bit like apprehensive i gotta come clean because charles is a friend of ours right i better tell him at some point we're doing one of our own at roughly the same time so I, I started, I said, sure, I'll contribute a story, but there's something you need to know. We're, we're working on one ourselves. There's another woman. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and Charles was great about it. And we even did some joint advertising was a lot of fun. Yeah, that um, was very cool. Yeah. But the, the truth is, for as new as I am to writing Westerns, Six Gun Legends is not my first. My right. first was Spurs and rodeo. Six Shooters, which came Say out. With, yeah, not my rodeo. first rodeo. Not correct. First, right? <laughs> the first one was like a month earlier. So yes, so I'm the seasoned uh-huh. veteran. But uh, yeah. But that's what Flinch is all about: seasoned professionals within the the genre that we're publishing, seasoned professionals who may never have written that that genre. Come on in and see if you love that idea of what will a Chris Ryan Western look like. I, was, I tell you what, I was so nervous of you, but I was yeah. in love with the story. I really wanted to see if it would go. It's it funny because every, everybody brought their A game, whether they were the seasoned pro or the newcomer. And yeah. I, I got to tell this story and I'll, I'll keep it brief. When Jim and I started talking about doing this, I said, listen, I've got a, I've got a, a wish list of a couple writers I really want to bring in. Just, I just want to ask them. I barely know these people, but I just want to see what would happen if I asked. Because a couple of them are really A-list Western right. writers and established. And I was pleasantly surprised at the response. Not all of them said yes, but more said yes than I expected. And even the ones who said no, one in particular, he was like my, I was really hoping. But he said, you know what? I love this idea. I love the concept. I wish I could. I've got two other projects I've got to get done by the middle of the year. If I say yes, I'll be shooting myself in the foot. But Thank you for asking me. If you're doing something like this ever again, please let me know. Sometimes like... I'll sometimes, take a rejection like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes a no, if it's gracious enough, is, is a victory in and of itself because oh, yeah. you establish this relationship with this person. 
I feel like I know this guy better than I did before. I think we're, we're more friends now than we were before. And I think if we were to go back to him in a, maybe a couple of years and say, we're going to do something like this again, he would at least consider it. He's uh I don't want to mention his name, but it just he's a pretty heavy hitter when it comes to living Western writers. I was just glad to at least have that experience. That's beautiful. You've talked about it a little bit, but how do you come up with projects? Is it a phone call? Is it you do it face to face at over it's so organic. one of these shows? How does that it's work? So it's, organic. It's, it's really pulp fest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pulp Fest is something that we've often called a three or four day flinch meeting <laughs> yeah. because yeah. we're immersed in what we do We're and we're there with all our fellow writers, editors, publishers. So that blood is flowing all yeah. around sure. yeah. as well as COVID, um, <laughs> which we've learned. Um, that John and I always inevitably talk about the next anthology. And it's funny because we did do just that and we did decide upon what the next anthology is going to be. But a lot of times it's, it it just literally starts with the theme, like what interests us right now. And it's weird. It's almost been taking turns, although we don't look at it that way of the, like the prime one of us that, that sort of runs the project western was john that that mm-hmm. idea came from him and then i suggested a wrinkle to it and it yeah. all clicked and went together because i started so- with something yeah i started with a different idea i started with i said what if we hit a bunch of stories about the pony express and okay. then we realized that that's like a that's a slice of western history that is only 18 months long right. and you run out of you it would be easy to run out of ideas pretty quickly right. and we floated have the a idea lot of overlap and we floated the idea to one or two writers, and they were lukewarm about it. So we thought, all right, we'll stick with Western, but we'll maybe take it in a different direction. Yep. And that's when Jim came in, I think, and with, with an idea of his own. I have a different question. How many books have you put out? 13. 13. This 13 was 13. Yeah, how, this, this, how long a period? Eight years. It was, it'll be nine years in January. Like we said, we're not exactly pumping them out left and right. But we're very proud of what we're doing. But I, I think by the begin, the next one, we're not exactly sure when that's coming. But it probably won't be the end. It won't be the end of this year. But no, it'll, it'll um, be by 2024, I would expect. Yeah. There. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, now, are all of the other titles available? Everything. Yes. Yeah, it's all. They're all available. Yeah. All available on Barnes and Noble online or. Uh, yeah when you put stuff on amazon it almost it automatically goes up on barnes and noble so they obviously have some sort of deal that happens but yes every single one of our books is up on amazon and in in print and ebook format although interestingly enough and this kind of goes towards what we were talking about as far as age of audience we we sell way more print books than we do eat yeah and that yeah. I guess that does speak to yeah. who our audience is. But and it, it's a kind of a almost a balance between anthologies and single novels. The single novels are all either John's three Midnight Guardian novels or my three Sergeant Janice novels. Everything right. else is an anthology. So that's six and then seven anthologies, right? Yeah. yeah. And awesome. and we run the gamut of themes and we haven't duplicated, we haven't double down on anything yet mostly because there's so many different things that we want to do it could be a while before we would do a follow-up to the sword and sorcery or a follow-up to the westerns my hope is this 
let's take the Western anthology that everybody in it. Now there, there is, there's one guy uh, in it who does actually, he used characters that, that he's used before. In fact, very mm -hmm. famously yeah. too. And we were absolutely thrilled. He actually yeah. told the origin story of his established characters. Okay. Everybody else, those characters all debut in our book. And my hope is that all those guys, all those writers then do something take those characters and grow them from there. And then I'll be pleased as punch to say they began in yeah. legends yeah. or bring them back to us in a couple of years. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. 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 Uh, Sarah Moore is, was grown within the story in your book. And when I pitched it to you, it was, it's designed to be an ongoing yeah, we could do that either with there with you so. or more more for myself. Yeah. So. Um, yes. In speaking the sword of and sorcery book, a lot of the characters were all, were already established characters. Yes. But the cool thing is that in the, in the everybody's bio in there, it says where they can find more adventures of those characters. That's cool. That's great. Mm. And we have gotten a lot of comments in reviews to say how much people like that. They discovered a character in the anthology, and then they were able to go out and find more adventures of that character. Yeah, that's I mean, So whichever way we do it, it's all win as far as I'm concerned. Excellent. Excellent. Now, as as busy 13 books, I know it's one or two a year and mostly two a year, but it's not the only thing you do. No. Um, yeah. We're going to talk about Jim for a minute, and then we're going to uh, go to John. Uh, Jim, you also have Becky books which yeah. is really a beautiful company that touches on a lot of passions. Do you want to talk about that at all? Sure, sure. That, that's a pretty good way to, to put it. Becky Books is named after my late wife. She's been gone four years now. And she, the memories of the things that she loved and things that she was involved in or wanted to be involved in or whatever is the guiding force i often say that the unofficial motto of becky books is cool things she would have loved mm, that's uh, and that's cool. what i do is i she's the muse and i ask her what about this you think this is cool and i try to listen for that little voice that says that's oh my god yeah we do that and it has brought you to essays on beloved shows yeah. like Dark Shadows and like the Saturday morning Japanese animation. Those are two different books, which are both fascinating, but also some fiction we have. Can we talk about it? Oh, sure. coming project? Yeah, sure. The nonfiction books that you mentioned is a series now. It wasn't, it didn't begin as a series. But with the second book, it cemented itself as a series. It's called Memories from Today's Grown-Up Kids. And it, it began as a book about G.I. Joe called The Joy of Joe. And the subtitle is Memories of Memories of America's Movable Fighting Man from Today's <laughs> Grown-Up Kids. And a couple of years later, when I finally got to the point, I, Becky and I always wanted to do a nonfiction book about Dark Shadows because she was a huge... Dark Shadows fan. Oh, Barnabas and, Collins, yeah. And I wanted to do, I said, I'll do it that same way, which is it's all essays from writers, but about their childhoods. It's That's the rule, is it's got to be someone talking about the theme, but as they're growing up as a kid. 
And I said, oh, you know what? I like the way that subtitle was. So that's memories of TV's first supernatural soap from today's grown up kids. And at that moment, I thought, okay, I guess this is a series now. It's four volumes. Volume five is actually, the writing is almost all completely done. All the essays are in on, on volume five and editing is going to begin very shortly. And that will be out this fall. And the theme of that is classic Star Trek, which is Becky's other favorite show. Her two favorite shows were classic Trek and Dark Shadows. And uh, yeah, we do have the one about the watching the all the great imported Japanese TV shows, uh, 60s through up into the very early 90s. Oh my goodness, you mean like Eighth Man and Gigantic? All that stuff. I got to write about Gigantic. Ultraman. Star Blazers. So let's see. John is in the G.I. Joe book, yep. in the Japanese TV show book, and then he'll be in the Star Trek book. I think what, you're doing every other one, something I, like that? I think so. It, it, it Usually it's, it's dependent on the topic. Like you did the the uh, the role-playing game one, right? Yeah, I did classic. And, and that's, just, that's, just a, that's a whole universe I just never connected with, so I just politely, just respectfully declined from that one. But... My feeling is if it, if it's a topic that makes sense that I have a, a strong connection to emotionally, I'll just, and, and Jim has been very kind. It, it basically has a standing offer. It just, like, if you want to be in any of these, just say the word and I'll make a slot for you. So that's, that's, it's just, it's been an opportunity to just talk and, about. And, and Chris is in how many of them I've yeah. lost track. Yeah. There you go. That's <laughs> well, right. There's another nonfiction series called the Subterranean Blue Grotto Essays on Batman 66. That's a three-volume set covering all episodes of the '66 Batman TV series. As far as fiction goes, it's my it's my my DC Jones and Adventure Command right. trilogy. Now I finally finished it. The third book is pretty new still, and that's a, a group of '70s early 1970s adventurers and their globe-trotting fight against a, a very strange cult that is also all over the globe and those books i finally put a little note in the beginning of the third book that said somebody once said to me hey these books feel like they were written by a nine-year-old or plotted (laughs) by a nine-year-old and i said oh thank you my nine-year-old my inner nine-year-old thanks you that's exactly what i want them to seem like did they mean it as a compliment or an insult yeah was that intended playing with gi joes (laughs) that's great and John, we want to talk to you. You've got some outside projects going. Most notably, you have a yes. Green Hornet project. Can you yes. talk about that for a little bit? Hot off the presses. I, yeah. I guess I should preface by saying Jim and I have an open relationship. Um, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, primar- I'm primarily a flinch guy, but but we we both like, if there are other publishers interested, interested in, in, in commissioning us to do stuff, we're going to do it. So yeah, Moonstone Books, they have a, they have a, 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 book they put out I don't, I don't know i don't know what the frequency is it's called double shot it basically features two prominent pulp or pulp like characters they commissioned me to do a, a green hornet story which uh, it just came out i think i don't know exactly when it came out sometime this past week i couldn't tell exactly what day but it was been a holding pattern for a while so i was excited to see it finally see the light of day what's uh, the title the book is called moonstone double shot the title of my story is bridge to betrayal it basically, it's the story of Green Hornet and Cato who go head to head with two competing crime families on either side of the U.S.-Canadian border. And some nefarious stuff happens on the Ambassador Bridge that spans Detroit to Windsor. 
because depending on who you ask, the Green Hornet was created and birthed in Detroit on Detroit radio. Mm-hmm. Right. Who, by the way, was born 120 years ago today. Yeah. Or no, I should, no, let, no, let, me, let me back up. Fran Stryker, the primary writer of The Lone Ranger and The Green Hornet, was born on August 19th, 1903. So Stryker was born. Okay. He was the primary writer. Trendle yeah. appropriated. That's a long story, but yeah. Um, but Fran Stryker <laughs> that's was. That's why a, they're yeah. separated these exactly. days. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's just, that just came out this week. You that's know, the I, big I news. I think of the you week. should yeah. make a quick note here for people who may not realize what's going on is that moonstone has taken that idea that the green hornet is was a concept was born in detroit Correct. and although it's the, all their work is all based off the 66 tv series with right. dan mm-hmm. and bruce lee it, it is now set in it what used to be just the, the city, city. The yeah show, moonstone want has now has it set actually in in a more concrete urban setting of detroit Correct. Wow. Uh, Correct. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I love what John did because I can picture the Ambassador Bridge because I've been over it a million times. And, and so what a wonderful thing to picture the black beauty speeding across the Ambassador Bridge. It's yeah. just it's really cool. It's a pretty wicked car chase. That's all I'm going to say. But yeah. Yeah. I got it. I'm in. Yeah. Highest compliment I can give. And I was very fortunate that I got to read the the story before he actually sent it in is that it seems like it's another episode of the 66 TV series. So it was great to visit with the Flinch book fellas. I don't want to call us boys. We're so past that. <laughs> oh, we are so, so past generation. that. I'd rather uh, be called a boy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll take I, it. You know, it's them flinch book boys coming out of Ohio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think everything we do reflects our inner kid. Child, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By far. What, what, what I think is a great is, energy to capture, isn't it? It's and it's helpful when you're working with someone who's pop culture sensibilities are very much like your own. I think we are very close in age. We grew up watching the same stuff, reading the same stuff, exposed to the same stuff. We agree more often than we disagree about what our plans are, what they should be, what the next step should be. It's always refreshing. Just I, it, I, it never feels like hard work. Oh, I got to sell this idea to Jim now, or he's trying to sell this idea to me. And I'm, it's never about that. It's just, it's more like I was thinking, yeah, you know what? I was thinking the same thing. So it just, it works good well in that regard. Of collaboration of good, solid, constructive, creative collaboration. Yeah. Yep. Very much so. The only recent <laughs> argument really that sticks out is we've been arguing about whether or not to ever have Chris Ryan back in one of our books. Oh, no. Oh. I was on a roll. What happened? <laughs> I, won't, I, I won't tell you who's arguing for it. and who's arguing for it. <laughs> That'll be in our Great. next thrilling Great. episode. So, <laughs> so no sleep for me tonight. <laughs> That's right. Great. Wait, Chris, where were you born? I was born in the Bronx. Uh, okay. But you're on the other you're side out. of the Bronx. You're out of the next book. Sorry. No, I was born in Toledo. <laughs> we have very and I, and I, it was the Bronx Avenue. It's the south side of Toledo. Yeah. It's a neighborhood in Cleveland, is it? Yeah. It says the guy who didn't even think that the Mud Hens were still playing. I, I'm going to let him let the man slide on that one. He was given. Yeah. Well, I was, you know what? I was happy to talk. Jim, I never realized you were from Toledo. Oh, I okay. I wanted to bring it up. And talk to me about Toledo things. Okay. Yeah. So I, I just, this is a great chance to mention the Mud Hens and see what happened because of the misinformation I got up until 
the green room before this episode, I was under the impression from somebody that the Mud Hens changed their name or got sold and they weren't in Toledo and they weren't the Mud Hens. And while I've never seen a Mud Hens game, they always, just the name was fantastic for me. And of course, the reference from MASH. And there I was walking around with this little quiet heartbreak all these years. And Jim (laughs) just shattered it and said, no, of course they're here. They're going on right now. They literally nice. are. Yeah. They are literally playing at this very second. That and you're watching so them. Wow. Reflection yeah. in your glass. You, it just yeah. it it really made it it made my day, may have made my week. It's possible, Jim, that it made my summer. I'm not sure. Wow. A couple well, of someday, story projects may have edged it out, but it's up there, Jim. Someday you come to Toledo and we'll get you a Paco's hot dog. And we'll get you to a Mud Hens game. I, you know you what? Know. I would. That I would is that is your really button. love it. just to boy. sit and watch the Toledo Mud Hens. And I have no logical reason why, but yes. And we'll be playing it's, the Mash theme song in the background. Just, wow. I just want to see a Mud Hens uh, game. That would be cool. <laughs> you know what a Mud Hen is, right? Uh, no, no idea. It's a coot. It's a form of the bird known as the coot. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so Northwest Ohio was once the Great Black Swamp. Uh, when white man came here, they drained the swamp, <laughs> so, to speak, <laughs> so to speak. And but there were still remnants of it around. And in the 1800s, when Toledo formed its first baseball club, their practice field was next to a swampy patch, and there were these little birds that ran around the, around them when they were practicing. And those were known as mud hens because of the swamp. And again, it's a coot. And the, right. the name stuck to the team. Ah, that's fantastic. They've been, yeah, that's been the mud hens ever since. I'm going to try one more time. Guys, it's been really great. <laughs> Alex has been trying to wrap this up for the last 20 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I, I went out for sandwiches, came back. It's okay. <laughs> Um, no, it's really great, and and we definitely got to have you back again because this has been too much fun. Yeah. It's still Alex, fun. I'd like to have them back very soon. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Chris. Yeah, we'll wear the <laughs> same shirts. Back. Yes, maybe in the same exact clothes. Yeah. <laughs> so again, thank you so much, Chris. You want to say thank you or? Uh, uh, yes, I do. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you for your time tonight, but also thanks for the uh, honor of being. Uh, included in Fl- Flinch books and Becky books. Yeah, it's really a thrill and I appreciate it. So thank you very much. Great to have you on board. Good to be thank here. You. John, Jim, I can, thanks. I can never get enough thank yous from Chris Ryan. Right. <laughs> Got a batch ready to be sent out along with some cookies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was drilled you, into me by the nuns, but that's another nightmare to talk about. <laughs> All right. Talk guys. to everybody Chris, soon. Peace. Take care. Thanks. See ya.